Hello, and welcome to Tapped In. I'm your host, Dave Morales, and this podcast is an extension of the Bellingham Tap Trail, where we hang out and chat with people involved in the local brewing scene. Today, we finally fulfill a long-term request, sitting down with James Alexander from Structures Brewing. We managed to squeeze in a quick hour in both of our busy schedules and had a good time reconnecting. We discussed all things hazy, how his time at bigger breweries shaped his business sense and vision, and the personnel changes that have taken place over the years. Today's Tap 10 conversation is sponsored by Puget Sound Energy's Green Power Program. Green power is renewable power made from resources that are naturally replenishing. Doing your part to reduce carbon is easy. In fact, solar panels provide the electricity used to produce this podcast. Learn how you can support green power made right here in the Northwest at pse.com slash green power. All right, the bills are paid. Let's get into it with James Alexander. Enjoy. So James, thanks for coming uh, for the second time around. Not many people know that we did this once, but neither of us were happy with the results. So we we, practiced. (laughs) We practiced like what, two years ago? That was the first round. That was was a long time ago. Yeah, I think it was about a year ago, but yeah. I think it was more than that. But maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Amnesia. (laughs) It just gets better. Um, I think a lot of people forget that when you opened up in 2015, that, uh, that you had a, there was another guy involved, Ryan, and uh, he was gone pretty in, uh, pretty instantly, as I recall, like within the first six months or so, for his own reasons, uh, which which aren't. Well, I mean, we can day. address that. I mean, he sure. uh, he moved out here. We worked together at a pretty large brewery out in Vermont, uh, Otter Creek. Otter Creek, yeah, yeah. We 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 had a great. We knew each other from Pittsburgh. We collaborated a lot. Um, and then we both got jobs, um, more or less, to be well to be innovative brewers as Auto Creek was rebranding, and we uh, went in there and we had great experiences, great collaborative efforts together. And, um, it was super fast-paced workspace. I'll so, bet. Yeah. so we 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 you know twelve months felt like five years out there. Mm-hmm. But with that said, it was that moment when it was like, man, if I give a shit this much about somebody else's product i think that i can open up a place and give a shit about my own product mm-hmm. and at that moment we both kind of looked at each other and like let's get out of here yeah and yeah. so we did and we kind of did it um silently from from our uh, employers which you, you know got to do that pretty much yeah for good and bad i mean i didn't burn any bridges like my old boss uh, currently he's the production manager at Hill Farmstead in Vermont. He's a great guy and he's a good, you know, um, an absolutely wonderful resource for me and a wonderful person. So I feel lucky. But as far as Ryan goes, um, he got super homesick. And like, I don't know if, if you've ever had that before, but I have. Mm-hmm. And man, like there's like, when you got to go, you got to go. Yeah. So, um, he, he had uh, sweat equity for 1% of the company at that point. And, um, yeah, I, I was more than happy to to pay him the money and get him home safely. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he went on and did his own thing. And, um, yeah, we're still in touch. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely no no ill will. No, I never, I never got that impression. I just knew that – I knew about the homesickness. And, yeah, I, I totally understand. It took me a long time to get out of Texas finally. Yeah. Um, and even then, you know, there's, there's still things that I miss about it. Although I've been here for 20 years at this point. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, this is it. This is home. Lived here longer than I lived in Texas. So, well, that's not entirely true. <laughs> Who cares? Um, yeah, it's good. I think that would have been, it, it had the potential to be a death blow, you know, for such a new business, uh, to lose one of the key people that was critical in. Yeah. And, uh, so kudos for persevering and then you pretty instantly found max which again up until yesterday i thought was was an owner as I well think a lot of people in town think yeah. that he's an owner which is fine i've i've all we've always had the banter back and forth of i don't care what people think about who owns this place mm-hmm. like if they want to find out they can go to the assessor's office and see yeah. who owns the place yeah. everybody should know that shell oil owns you right? <laughs> <laughs> um but no i uh 
Yeah, Max and I go way back. Um, shoot, I, I met Max when he was 18 years old, and now he's 28. Um, yeah. I think he was a straight-edge kid back then. Um, but, yeah, oh, we just had a deep connection from the beginning. And, uh, yeah, he he's actually uh, about to leave, embark mm-hmm. on a new journey. His yeah. wife took a job in Walla Walla um, as she's moving up in the dental ranks. Um, uh which is awesome for both of them because mm-hmm. they have a little one yeah. who is, she's the best. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah he so, was saying that it, he, you know, it's too good an offer to, to pass up. So oh, if, if they pass it up, I would be mad at him. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he'll get experience in the winery business yep. as yeah. well. So he's, he's, he's going to go into a uh, harvest, um, which is going to trial think, by fire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's I, the wine business. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys um, are pretty much, the poster children for the whole smaller is better kind of thing. And not that you're just dinky, dinky size, like nano brewery size, but, but you kind of have that philosophy. You kind of operate under that. Um, and I've been consistently impressed by your business model and the choices that you made from day one, you know, being draft only for the first little bit and only at the tasting room. So you guys could just kind of get your shit together and dial everything in and then working into bottling once that worked out and then getting some very select accounts and then moving into canning. And it's just seems to have been very methodical and it can be very easy and a lot of breweries fall into this trap of the lure of expanding too quickly, um, going into debt when they haven't even paid off the debt from the original opening and, uh, and then getting burned by it. But you seem to have either talked yourself out of it or just flat out resisted it. And um, I'm just wondering, do you feel today that those decisions have served you well and did you ever get any pushback from like the public or distributors or any retail outlets Ooh, well fuck distributors but (laughs) um minus one minus one there's a really nice guy he'll probably never listen to this but uh we distribute with him in uh portland oregon was our state of oregon robbie rota sweetheart probably the uh best people person that we've come across um nice. yeah we we do that but it's not a contractual agreement it's a mm-hmm. 30 30 day contract uh, right so it's great yeah. so we yeah. here's some beer yeah and he he's great um but um i'll say i'll never say never to dis- distributors because yeah. there are a lot of great options out there yeah. i mean yeah. the shelton brothers have evolved the industry um yeah and things links. you know the dynamics change yeah, but as far as um, as far as the company goes and its methodical growth, it's been both um, out of necessity and um, by design. I mean, I think that for me as an individual and where I get inspiration from um, in business is typically not from the beer industry. Um, frankly, I think a lot of the beer industry is kind of um, bizarre in a lot of ways. Like um, I would say our business is more akin to a bakery than it is a brewery. Mm. We choose to be small. I mean, we we could never operate like a bakery because we would never be able to sell through an entire 10 barrel batch of beer, 20 half barrels of beer in a day. Mm -hmm. Like a bakery can sell through, you know, tons of croissant, a whole, you know, batch of croissants in a day. But um, we can kind of emulate that, model um and just keep things as close to us as possible um and keep as few hands on the product as possible i think that's that's been a huge having worked at a few different large breweries seeing how many hands touch the product and and the result of that is usually um very inconsistent product and granted, there are a lot of great big breweries out there. Yeah, once it goes out of your place, you know, to a distributor of, of any kind, it's out of your hands, and then it's on the shelf, and it's in a truck, and it's yeah you know, in the back of a car. It's. <laughs> I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, um, kind of the first time I wanted to just um, fuck around with a beer uh, in regards to. Um, just an absolute bitter beer. Uh, we brewed a, a very like mind, um, 
fuck, I guess, in a way, where very hazy, juicy-looking beer that tasted obscenely bitter. Mm -hmm. um, like, just why not? <laughs> and the yeah. and people did not like it. It was like there were there were a few accounts that were like, "This is crazy. This is like people do not want it." And you know, I had to have some conversations of like, "Well, what are you telling people? Mm -hmm. Like, if you just if you're selling this like fuzz." they're not going to buy it. Like mm -hmm. they're going to be upset. They're going to return it. And rightfully so that's on you. Mm -hmm. um, but on the contrary, I respect that. And I, we made it right. And we gave, we reimbursed them and swapped out a different keg of a different beer. And, you know, but I mean, if we had, I think we have, we probably have that we distribute to not in, in the state of Washington, I think probably 45 accounts. Um, significant, but we, we fulfill half of those as frequently as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, and it depends on the season. Like right now it's next to impossible to distribute beer cause it's just busy season. Right. Do you have, you don't have any local accounts or maybe just the station? We do. We have yeah. a few, uh, yeah, actually Johnny Wilkerson, uh, tap room. Um, mm -hmm. he's, uh, he's also been working in sales with us and, um, uh, he's been uh, great with local accounts. He's from here uh, or been right. here since he's 10. That's um, good enough. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, he's fantastic. And he's, um, you know, there's the Pickford and Pawsford Beer, the Station, Kismet. Brandon Kismet's great. Um, uh, occasionally, I, th uh, I think the Racket. And yeah, so there's some spots. Yeah, yeah now that I think about it, I've, I've had your beer out and about here. It's pretty infrequent locally um, because we, and the reason being, and it, it really is like back to the bakery model is if we sold, we're so small. If we sold our beer to all the accounts in town, our tap room would just be empty because people could just go to any of their normal spots mm -hmm. and have our beer and they just never come in. Right. Um, yeah. We weren't going to have, Subdued wasn't going to have any local accounts at least for a while because... Yeah. Why, why would we sell the beer at wholesale when the profit margin is best serving it yeah. Yeah. right over the counter? Yeah, I get that. Um, did uh, did you get any pushback from the public at all about, you know, like, well, why do I have to come here? You know, why? Um, probably in the first year. I mean, did you know Max and I worked at Taproom for, for like, mm -hmm. I think I was in the Taproom for maybe 14 months. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it sucks because I wear my emotions on my sleeve. So I definitely, I probably, probably argued over stupid things back then. With well, you're, poor people. you're also doing, you know, it's, it's exhausting. I think a lot of people don't realize that, that when it is for lack of a better term, just you, even though there's other people involved, you're the main driver and you're dealing with the public, which is, you know, that's what I do as well. And it's not easy. And there's a certain soul tax that you pay for that. Um, but you're also having to think, okay, well, what's, what about the beer? Like what's going on with this? What am I going to do? What do I need to order? Yeah. yeah. You're not fully present being the, the front of the house person and everybody wants to talk to you because you're the face of structures. So yeah, which I can is, see that being frustrating, which has also been kind of cool in a way, the way, um, and I don't think it was by design, but um, I'm kind of not the face of structures, which is really fantastic in a way because, I mean, Cade, Johnny, Andrew, Max, like, and then myself, we've all filled our roles um, to make, you know, the machine move. And through that, it's like, yeah, I do all the brewing. I do a lot of the seller work. Max and I do all the packaging. Um, but we all play such a key role that, I mean, no one needs to know it's me, which right. is, is great. And, you know, actually, Kate is probably more more the face of the company than I am. Interesting. Everyone, yeah. everyone yeah. sees him. Um, and Johnny, too. Um, and it, it I, I think that in time that will change as, as our brand expands and our um, beers in more places. But mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, it's, I think a lot of times people open up breweries and they'll have if it's not a mission statement they'll have a, a goal in mind and pretty quickly that can get blown out of the water you know talking to dave vitt you know, he had no idea that he was just the right thing at the right time and you know yeah. exploded um but 
your mission statement has, you know, I, I have it here and I read it on your site. I, I've got the full one here. But, uh, you know, I, I think that you've held really true to it. Uh, and, you know, I can see how the places that you worked for, like outside of Pittsburgh and things I went when I was doing my due diligence on you, I <laughs> went and perused those sites just to kind of see like, okay, well, what, what's their thing? You know, what do they do? And, and I could see that they make a lot of different things. Um, and I'm assuming that was true when, when you were there as well. So it seems like that was really good school for, for yeah, what you're what doing not now. to do. <laughs> yeah. I've had those brewing jobs as well. Um, how do you feel about where structures is now, as opposed to where they, the, the day that you opened and, uh, holding true to the mission statement, which is basically, I'll just paraphrase it. You know, it's all about serving the community, being experimental and, uh, and keeping it smaller and very focused. Um, and if you'd care to discuss any future plans about where you, where you want to see structures in you know, five or 10 years, it's like a job interview. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think that we have been, we, uh, I can remember exactly where I was sitting, writing down the mission statement and just kind of why, why I was writing that. But, um, yeah, it's just, I, I I'm pretty, I'm a, I'm a minimalist as a human being, so for me to start a company, it was really important for me to um, keep things as simple as possible, um, not not be too convoluted or anything. So um, I think we we've we've stood by that. I think we've made some decisions that um, have been. I will say this: almost every decision that we've made as a company has been out of necessity. Hmm. Um, to can beer, um, to distribute beer, um, to stay small. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I'll say we're a year behind and I don't want to, I doubt my landlord will ever listen to this, but, um, they, um, definitely put us a year behind by not working with us with our lease. Uh, but that has been resolved. Um, I think that, I think that everyone saw the plastic on the window. The next, <laughs> next you're door. talking about next door. Yeah. yeah, next door for I think that was on there for two years, maybe. It was a while. Yeah, yeah. two years in, in May. It was really frustrating. You know, that's that's like um, it's pretty deflating when you think about it. When like if I could just have if if I if you just let me sign this this piece, I can then spend this money and build it out and we can we can put ourselves in the place we want to be that should have happened a year ago it's happening i mean the ball's rolling right now so um right now i feel i feel good um where we are and we, we are about to experience some pretty um for us dramatic growth which is fun and exciting i mean it for me it's really exciting because now i get the toys that i want to play with i mean mm -hmm. I can get my own Tom Parr in there and we can have all of our, our lab equipment um, is all that really nice stuff that I've accustomed to working with at other jobs that we can now apply to, to our product. And, and a lot of the reason why we keep things so close to us is um, we don't have those, you know, $30,000 tools in there. Mm -hmm. It's all sensory. Um, so we don't, we don't want to sell people bad product ever. Right. Um, and, yeah, I, I back to the question. I think that I think that we have stayed very true to to that mission statement. Yeah, and you started using barrels pretty pretty right off the bat, day one. Yeah. First first batch of beer went into two five hundred liter punchins, <laughs> which is that can be stressful as well because I mean you have an idea of how that's going to turn out, but I mean that's all that, that's pretty predictable. I mean it's just a fermentation vessel. Yeah, uh, you know. We pitched yeast. It's we we've never um, we've never used, we've never done spontaneous fermentation. I personally, I will not say never because I love Eric Jorgensen and I might <laughs> brew a spontaneous beer with him one day. Yeah, but within the confines of our building, we won't do it. Yeah. any spontaneous stuff. Yeah, right downtown. It's yeah, weird. and I mean there are other people doing it, and you know, and 
five years I'll try their stuff and then I'll decide if I want to do it. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. kind of how I am on a, on a home level. It's like, yeah, that sounds interesting. Maybe I'll try my hand at that. Or like, nah, I'll just buy that. You know, it's yeah. like making good bourbons. Like I know how, but I don't have 20 years to do that. Yeah. And I'd just rather go buy a nice bottle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing uh, that, uh, that I've noticed and, uh, there's a few other people that I know that do this, but you don't do competitions. No, you don't enter your enter your beers. I'm uh, proud to say we've never won a competition. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> you can put it that way. Yeah. Is it because, uh, and it's probably a, a, a combination of these. It's is it because you don't feel that you brew to style? Because that's something that a lot of people oh, don't we realize. Brew to style. He's the IPAs or style now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. But and and we'll talk about that in a minute. But. Uh, but you know, you've also got a bunch of other beers that are just you know experimental and kind of their own thing. Uh, so I guess is it is it because you, except for hazies, don't brew to style, or you're just not into it? Oh, I mean, we we brew we brew a fair amount of beers to style. Um, I think I think that you know I was a home brewer once, and I think that 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 definitely. The, the the parameters I won't say guidelines necessarily but the parameters of these beers like we brewed a very true to style ESB with Heater Allen uh, a while back and um, I I love to brew a porter and I feel like that is a beer that has to be brewed to style otherwise you know what the fuck is it <laughs> right. um, yeah um, no for me it's it's um I think you know everyone does competitions mm -hmm. um and i think that everyone should if they want to and if you don't want to you shouldn't have to i do however think that it um it had its place in time the way i look at competitions is back in the day that was the absolute best way for the breweries to enter the market share with mm -hmm. the big guys it was their way i mean i think uh sam at our um, boston beer company has a great story of Sam Adams winning mm -hmm. um, like six months into them opening. And yeah, they, and then multiple years in a row. Yeah, and yeah. that, I mean, back then, I mean, if that didn't happen, like, would they Who'd would they be you? Boston? Yeah, Who would know you? Yeah. Um, I, my, I bet Will Kemper has some great stories on um, the amount of medals that he's won and how that's, you know, positively impacted their company. Yeah. So I think they're extremely important um, for for the industry's growth as a whole. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about it as I was writing down that question and thinking about it because I don't enter homebrew competitions or even though I, I judge, I don't like the constraints of doing something. And I think something I was going to say earlier is what people don't realize is part of there's an art to winning consistent medals and it's taking the beer and forgetting what you think it is and looking at the guidelines and figuring out what it actually is yeah. in in terms of judging things. I mean, I've, I've I've been a part of of I think uh, I think I brewed a, a Scotch ale that won a Golden World Beer Cup at a different brewery, mm -hmm. and um, but that was not a recipe that we sell in the cans, and so therefore I've seen it, I've heard about it. A lot of the beers that are entered in are not actually the beers that are you know the in package product for the consumer, true. but the consumer sees it that way. Um, so it, it, there's some, some trickery, not everybody does that. Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't call it trickery. It's just playing the system, you know, knowing, exactly. knowing how exactly. to do that. And to go back to your point about how metals used to be really important back when I was brewing like you know, 20 years ago, GABF was a big deal and it was pretty much the only deal. Like what did the world beer cup exist then I, I think it did yeah but you know if you want a, a medal it was a big deal the community was a lot smaller oh, and it was you'd go to denver and you'd see all the people that you never you know you only saw once a year you know yeah. people out of new york and people out of illinois I mean, dude those those people back then like I, I would imagine you're probably still connected to some of them and like someone like back to will kemper so or even eric jorgensen mm -hmm. like people who've been in the industry for 20 to 30 years now, the stories they have of whether it's, you know, uh, GABF or, um, 
you know, any big festival that's been around for a long time, like they're so interconnected, those, mm-hmm. those circles of people that have just been doing it forever. It's, yeah. You would see the same people every year. It's and fantastic. I think these days it's become a little diluted because there are so many, you know, I see medals on people's walls of things that I've never heard of before. I think if you enter the Washington, uh, the Washington Beer Awards. I think they just give you a medal upon your entry. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the ones that I that I do judge. I try to judge every year. I missed it this year. It's a lot of fun. They treat the judges well, and there's no real dogs in there. Yeah, yeah. That's one. That's another thing that's changed. You know, it used to be you get beers and be like, nope. Uh, I mean, nope. the quality of beers is yeah. The quality of the beer and the quality of of the brewers, I think, has has increased quite a bit in yeah. the last couple of decades. Don't get me wrong; there's still a lot of bad beer out there. There is. <laughs> um, I would I would agree to that. I think there's a lot of mediocre to bad beer, and it's kind of surprising in this day and age. It's kind of disappointing, but but we we live in a we live in a community that I feel I feel lucky. Yeah, we're definitely spoiled, and the the general population understands what what good beer is and and what it isn't yeah and they're still learning i think i think that you know not to digress but moving out here from from the east coast it it is interesting even even compared to portland per se i think that we're we're still super youthful and in our ways Mm -hmm. um in the beer industry which um is cool i mean it's kind of cool to be a young beer community. I mean, Boundary Bay has been around for a long time, but um, you know, we're you know we're all still learning so mm-hmm. much. Definitely. Well, that's one great thing about it. You know, it's I mean, it's an art, but it's also a science, and so there's always learning. You know, things that were gospel 15, 20 years ago are now com- either completely debunked or people have moved on. Yeah. And uh, you know hot side aeration comes to mind, uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, you know, you mentioned coming from the, from Vermont and, uh, more the East coast. And we were talking about, about hazy IPAs earlier. You know, there's a lot of trends that come and go. It's not a trend. Glitter beer comes to mind. Exactly. Glitter beer comes to mind, you know, count chocula beers, stuff like that. But this style has stuck and the funny thing is though not to interrupt no it hasn't it hasn't just it hasn't just like popped up it's been around for a long time Mm -hmm. like that's kind of like um i mean as far as using the word hazy like ever since i was i got my first gig um we used a a de filter diatomaceous earth filter and um i fucking hated those things suck hated using that thing um but it was it was my it was my first like true seller gig right and tasting the beer before tasting the beer after i was like whoa like what why do we do this it's a different beer they ended up while i was there they ended up getting a plate and frame filter but we i mean we we primarily use our uh, brewed ipas at that spot and that was just like the standout thing is like this beer after being dry hopped, crashed, before it gets sent through the filter, it tastes so like playful and mm-hmm. <laughs> playful, you know, like it's that, yeah. nice. Um, and then it goes through this thing, gets beat up, microoxygenation gets introduced to it, and it's a you know, it's a shell of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that moment on I realized like, well, you know, when the day comes, I am not going to filter yeah. my beer. However, I do understand its place in the industry a hundred percent. Sure. Um, I understand centrifuges. Um, you know, I think that, that if we, if we grew, um, to a place that might happen in the next 10 years, um, we'll probably absolutely use the centrifuge. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, as far as hazy beer though, like I can remember having hot venom, from Boneyard, whatever the fuck that was, 2012 maybe, seven years ago. Yeah, that beer was opaque. <laughs> and now I'm pretty sure those guys like are hashtag anti haze, <laughs> which is funny. Um, you know, first time having Pliny the the younger, that beer was also hazy. I mean, maybe not opaque, but it was definitely hazy. Do you think that was more just for from like the hop oils and and things, or it was Super because fresh beer? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So do you think of hazy IPAs as New England IPAs, or do you see them as kind of their own unique thing? My idea of a New England IPA for me, because my personal experience having going there uh, so much when I lived in Vermont, is kind of just subjected to Hill Farmstead. And that's like a water profile thing for me when I think of New England um, IPA. I mean, Trillium's a great spot, but I I think of that as a hazy IPA. Um, I guess Treehouse is also, that would be. That'd be a New England style, but the 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 water profile, the 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 salt additions in those beers are so like I I'm like when I it's insane how complex those IPAs are, um, and a lot of people love to hate on hazy beers. I I think some person I won't name a name came into our spot and said that hazy IPAs kill people, and for me, you work at another brewery. A I think that that's really rude. First off, B, why would, like, that's simply not true. Like, um, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, anyways. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, so define, because when I think New England IPAs, because I was, I I didn't even know that hazy IPAs existed as a, as an actual thing, probably until I had one of yours, because you guys were pretty much the first in, in town to do that. And yeah, I think of, it was like it us and Holy Mountain um, yeah. back in 2016, early mm-hmm. 2016. Yeah. See, when I think New England IPA, I just think more Midwestern East Coast IPA, and I just think C60, you know, crystal malts. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Magic Cat's classic, Harpoon's classic. Yeah, um, exactly. Fish Shipyard, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but that's not what a hazy IPA is, and so I guess describe for for anyone who has has been living under a rock beer wise for the last three or four years. What what makes a hazy IPA a hazy IPA? First it, of all, it has to stay hazy once it's been packaged. That's mm-hmm. key. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a good point too because over time, a lot of those things can settle out, and yeah. so you have to add a lot of protein or you, that's one way to do it, right? Uh, to add no. some protein, like, uh, like, Hey, uh, like haze. <laughs> just throw the haze in there. It's just throw the haze in there. It just comes in a bottle. It's like a squirt bottle. <laughs> it's like liquid smoke. Um, uh, is it all hop oils or do you add like oats and, and I, things like I mean, that? honestly, it's like a, at least how, how we've, we've, we do it. And, um, feel like how i've been taught to do it um it's just a perfect balance of you know i, I was talking to um a, another uh, brewery owner in town and they're asking me about his ipas and it's really funny because um they had some curiosities um about how to to make them and um i you know i'm explaining it and it, it was kind of interesting to say you know, if you really think about it, this is like the most simple beer maybe to make outside of a Saison because you don't have to use glycol. Um, <laughs> right. um, but, I mean, it's literally just, you know, malt, hops, water, and yeast, and you don't have to filter it. Like, it's it's just, it's it's as it's, it's just in its most natural element. Um, yeah. And if you do it right... Um, you know, there. I think that I think some really key components to a proper hazy IPA is um, it is dry. Like by by definition of of uh, degrees Plato, um, it's finishing gravity. Um, I think like just using chugging up Pilsner that finishes around two Plato ish. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me exactly on right. that, but yeah. and um, just for anybody who doesn't know what Plato is and but is familiar with specific gravity, very roughly you can take the Play-Doh and multiply it by four. And that's exactly. essentially, yeah. so two Play-Doh is like 10.08. Exactly. And so for, for us, fuzz finishes at 2.4, like almost every time, like two, 2.2 to 2.4 Play-Doh. So it's a dry beer, but with that, with the ingredients, we, you know, the amount of hop oils that are present, the salt additions we use, which are generous. Um, so, it, so talk about the, got a big body. Yeah. Talk about the the water chemistry of it and how it differs from like if you were just making 
like let's say a, a Northwest style IPA. Yeah. I, um, hmm. What's a Northwest style IPA? I'm just um, kidding. <laughs> C60? Just well, kidding. see, now that that's a good point because when I think Northwest, that is very true. Um, a Northwest style IPA usually has some, some C60 or C40 or something like that. <laughs> But for a long time, I didn't drink IPAs. I just got, I was just done. And then suddenly people started leaving out the crystal malt and just using more of a Pilsner base with some two row. And I love those, like the smash beers that I have out there. Just Pilsner malt. Yeah. I mean, that, that's like, um, we, 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 we brew Vivid, we haven't brewed Vivid in a while, but Vivid is our West coast IPA and it's, um, I mean, that beer is, um, as far as salt profile goes, it's very gypsum heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't hop it much. Um, yeah, well, the calcium in the gypsum really helps make yeah, that we don't, pop. Yeah, we don't use a whole lot of calcium chloride in that beer um, uh, at all. Um, the, the gypsum really helps with, with a, you know, a, a pretty bright, I guess, uh, bitterness to it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and then we just try hop it. Um, but that beer, that the difference between that beer and Fuzz, is there's really, I mean, there's a slight ABV difference. I think Vivid is generally six eight, and Fuzz is six two. But they're basically the same beers, but we're using different yeasts. One is um, Chico being Vivid, and the other one is uh, yeast strain that we have banked that we use for all of our hazy beers. Nice. Um, which is another very important component in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeast is, yeast is one of the single most determining factors. Um, yeah. Uh, so while we're on the subject of, of hazy beers, you recently did a, um, a collaboration with, uh, with Steve from Cloudburst down in Seattle and then, um, modern times, Andrew, right? Yeah. Yeah. San Diego, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I love it when smaller breweries that are primarily local, get together and play with, with other, with other breweries. Um, I, I also liked, so you made a, a hazy IPA and it was, it was named great question, which I like that a lot. <laughs> I'm assuming that there's an inside joke with that. Uh, but just talk a bit about how that collaboration came about and what that whole experience was like getting, Honestly, getting to play with, with other brewers. Yeah. Steve, Steve's great. Um, Steve, um, Steve and I met about a while ago. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Time flies. Um, <laughs> yeah, I never passed. I didn't know. Met. I didn't know Andrew actually from Modern Times. Um, he's a nice guy. Um, but uh, the um, I'm gonna blank on his name. Now I feel bad. Um, but uh, the writer from The Stranger. Um. He was at Brower's and uh, for some festival that they were putting on and had our beer and um, realized, oh, whoa, um, this is fantastic. This is awesome. Can Would you like to be on a panel? Um, and then I was like, because I'm, I'm not the most um, socially. Um, <laughs> You're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like to keep to myself, whatever. Yeah, uh, but anyways, uh, he, he asked if I'd be on this panel. I kind of I was kind of a dick and blew him off. Um, and then I got an email from Steve, and he goes, "Hey man, don't don't be a dick." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, he didn't say it that rude, but because uh, he's too nice. Um, but yeah, he he asked me if I'd do the panel and went down there. They hosted it. It was um, Steve myself and Andrew from modern times. And, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of, it was pretty awesome. There was a crowd of like 120 people, maybe packed in that tiny little space. And, um, we brewed the beer in the morning. We ate some crazy good Italian food at El Corvo for lunch and then did the panel in the evening. And, um, the name great question is because that seemed to be, um, just the joke of, you know, there's pretty, pretty funny questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you hadn't already named the beer before the, no, no, oh, it was, it was it. post post panel. Got and, it. Yeah. Cause we brewed it that morning and then, um, 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just assumed you already had the name for it, but that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you got some crazy questions. Yeah. I generally do. Just funny ones. Yeah. <laughs> Very naive questions. <laughs> totally. Um, you want to take a little break? A little I'm good. Break? I'm rolling. Okay. Yeah. All right. Are you good? Yeah. I'm good. We'll just pretend that we're taking a break. Okay. So let's take a little break for Skagit Malting and we'll be right back. Skagit Valley Malting is an independent local craft malt house dedicated to sustainable farming practices and the use of superior maritime grains. Imported and commodity malts make a lot of beer, but craft malt makes craft beer. Using their patented technology, Skagit offers breweries a diverse variety of customizable malts that offer distinction in a crowded marketplace. So why import? They can provide what you're looking for right here, together. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> the blink of an eye, but but about 30 seconds for everybody else. Uh, so I probably asked you most of these questions the last time, but uh, but I didn't, for the record, I didn't save that audio. Uh, so I don't remember how you, uh, how you answered them, but, uh, these are just questions that I like to ask. They're just fun. You know, the first half is kind of more your brewery based. And then this is just kind of more just picking your brain about what you think about ingredients and, and styles and, mm. and stuff like that. And just some other dumb questions as well, but just more of an insight into James, uh, <laughs> <laughs> The, the original thinking with this, with this podcast, when I was just going to be doing it by myself was I started asking people, random brewers, like, what was, what was the beer that flipped the switch for you? Like, what was the beer or was there one beer where you took a sip and you're like, holy shit, I need to, I need to know how to do that. Like, I don't just want to buy it. I want to be able to make that. Mm. Was there, was there a moment like that for you? Yeah, definitely. I remember what I answered last time too. Um, La Roja from Jolly Pumpkin. Oh, yeah. That was that was the first beer for me that I was like, whoa. You know, and I, I think that I had other beers that were so complex. Like I can remember having my first Cantillon and, you know, being blown away, but not having any kind of understanding of what it takes to do that. Yeah. yeah. It was just like, wow, <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but well, Roja seemed, it, it was like this, I think it was perfect time, perfect place, drinking with the perfect people. Um, and uh, yeah, which makes me want to get on the rabbit hole of how beer is just like any other beverage or food and the fact that the experience is so, so important. Um, I agree completely. It's all subjective. You know, there's, yeah. there's a beer for every moment. Uh, which I wish, you know, I, thinking about our, our space and it's like, God, I wish I could have just a large open field of just beautiful trees and green grass where people could come drink beer and be happy and experience this wonderful, yeah. you know, but we have a tiny tasting room. Yeah. We're proud it's, of it. It's funky. It's cool. I think it's, it's cozy. I, I like it's it. Cozy. Yeah. Um, we are happy with it. But anyways, uh, La Roja, that was, um, that was, uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that, that answer. Um, do you, what's your favorite beer to brew? Like, do you have a particular style that you like, or or a specific beer that Structures has, where every time you brew it just kind of makes you happier than normal? Oh man, uh, I really do enjoy. I um, we brew a beer called Bertha. It's a barley wine. Um, I brewed that since home brewing. I've gotten to brew it at two breweries, other people's breweries. I didn't, I didn't stay at those breweries long enough to see it come to fruition. <laughs> um, I was on a mission when I sure. was, when I was at those spots. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that beer, that beer is very dear to me. Um, it's just such a lengthy process, mm -hmm. um, and takes a great deal of patience. Yeah. I'm glad that, uh, is that something that has, come and gone or are you is that going to be coming out are you do you brew it every year yeah we have i think we have um, i think we have two more batches of it um in barrels right now okay um and honestly i didn't know what people's response was going to be to the, when we first released it um, barley wines kind of went away for a while and and i, I yeah. missed them 
Yeah, they're they're back by popular demand. I'm pretty sure the yeah. internet memes have given it a whole bunch of street cred. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we had we had, you know, that beer. It's really kind of cool. We got a we brewed that beer. We released it. We sold out um, when we released it, and um, it was it was really good because we had a plan to start a bottle program um, with bourbon barrel aged beers. Um, and we didn't really know if it would work and it sold out and we're like, okay, well, let's do this. So we did our bottle program. We had 200, um, entries or 200 slots to buy in and we sold out of those 200 slots. And so actually in two weeks, they're picking up their first allotment, um, which has been intensely stressful. (laughs) So I really, you know, I, you know, I, a lot of these people, um, they care a lot about, beer um some care a lot about trading beer more than actually right. beer um, but uh yeah anyways long story short <laughs> i really enjoy brewing that but also i really really do enjoy um the challenge of keeping fuzz as consistent uh, malt profile as possible mm-hmm. we change hops up a lot but as far as the malt profile goes i take a great deal of pride in the consistency of that. Yeah. I think that's something that the layperson probably doesn't understand is how different things can be just because of one little aspect of a brew day, you know, it can oh, not, yeah. it's certainly not, I'm not going to where it, it ruins it, but it changes. It can change the face of it. Yeah. And that's why you know, Budweiser blends everything so that one can of Budweiser tastes exactly like hey, man, the other. They're, they're that, fucking God. To it's me. not easy to do. Yeah. It's very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, What's uh what's your favorite beer to drink? To drink? Mm-hmm. Give me a setting. Well, uh, am I at State Street or am I at a friend's house? <laughs> I would just say you're in a you're in a good place. You know, like you're mm. you're around people that you like hanging out with. You know, good conversation, good setting. So you're 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 happy. You're in your happy place. Take a, take a hands. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What's uh? do you have a guilty pleasure as far as liquid imbibing goes that you'd care to divulge? I think I just admitted it. It's going to wait for you to say Pinot Gris. Um, oh, going down that route. Oh man. I love white wine. Yeah. Oh my God. I love white wine. Dry white wine. Yeah. Yeah, I could I like drink dry some cold, wines. dry white wine all summer long. Yeah. yeah, nice. Yeah, I don't think that's a guilty pleasure so much. <laughs> um, Pretty proud of that. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a question that I didn't used to ask, but Robert Arzu actually was like, "You should start asking this." Um, do you have a favorite food pairing that goes with any of your beers? Honestly, I don't eat and drink at the same time. Hmm. Um, don't I like to keep them separate? Yeah. Yeah, beer is food. That's all you need. (laughs) Um, Do well. Let's see. Back that. But um, I just kind of like to do a a little rapid fire of favorite ingredients. Um, What's your favorite grain? Oh man. Um, I mean, we use we use we use a blend of malts for our base malt, but I love. For me personally, sorry, Skagit, sorry, Scott. Um, <laughs> I love RAR. I, yeah. That's, that's been RAR, RAR Pilsner malt and RAR Pale malt are both just incredibly consistent. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that. Yeah. I have used them quite a bit as well. And I just, you know, it's good, solid German malt and consistent results every time. Yep. Um, what about a favorite hop? Um, I don't know. We we use we use a whole lot of Eldorado Chinook. Um, Citroen Mosaic. Mm-hmm. So I mean, those for though that that like. Oh well, I, I'll say this for all styles of beer. 
maybe not all styles, but my two favorite styles of beer to drink uh, are um, saisons, and I like drinking IPAs. Mm -hmm. Kill me. Um, And Amarillo is such a wonderful hop, such a versatile hop. Um, I do, I do like that hop a lot. Yeah, it's interesting. I had uh, read a part of an interview with you, and so I kind of had a, an inkling that you were going to say Chinook as part of it, and that's that hop got overlooked. I, th- I think it still is overlooked for a while. I mean, when I was working at Pike, it was in all the beers. You know, it's, I just like that clean, resiny, um, kind of piney note, but it's Pithy. not overwhelming. Yeah. Uh. yeah, yeah, I like it a lot, um, and you don't have to use a lot of it because it's usually high alpha. Yeah, so it's a great hop. Yeah, what about um, what about yeast? And I know you use a, a couple different yeasts at least, but do you have one that's? Um, yeah, I mean, what we use for our hazy beers, um, I like it's it's pretty versatile. We use that for our porters too. Um, we use for our saisons. We use a blend of of yeast, um, which is probably my favorite thing to play with it's so it's i mean like i think there are a fair amount of breweries out there um that that use a similar blend so i don't really feel weird saying it but it's a blend of dupont and Clausini. um and the way it works is just awesome yeah um and it takes time i mean the way we treat our our saisons is kind of how a lot of people treat their um, lager beer um we we have six tanks for specifically for saisons, and what happens is is um, we have our conicals. They're all it's all no no glycol. It's all stainless um, ferment in the conical. Um, it spends three weeks in the conical. Um, we put a little bit of pressure so we can harvest the yeast off of it. Um, transfer into um, the bright tanks. Um, it spends six weeks in there, so there's nine weeks. Um, and then from there, um, typically we'll transfer, um, say half of, half of the 10 barrels into our uh, bottling tank and then keep the other half in there. We'll keg off. Uh, all of these are always, um, uh, naturally carbonated. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll you keg just let off. the brat kind of do that. No, we repitch. We, okay. Yeah. We repitch in bottle condition and keg condition as well. Um, and, uh. Yeah, and typically once what go what you know like we have some different variations of isolation, which is our flagship saison, and um, we'll add fruit or whatever to it um, that we feel like. Yeah, Steph's got. She'll be like, saw James today. He came in and bought all the mangoes. <laughs> came in and got all the whatever fruit. <laughs> yeah. They just bought a yeah. Eric at the at the co op is always like. Man, you bought like 120 pounds of limes. <laughs> why? It's like, well, come by and. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I don't know why, but it seems fun. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, totally. I, I, I get that. So, favorite yeast strain? Saison, probably. Yeah. What yeah. we use for I, a saison? I love the saison. I was just recently fortunate enough to be able to take a bike trip from Popering, Belgium, down to. Uh, uh, down into France to go to the awesome. the brewery that the French saison strain came from. Yeah. Um, as on a home level, I don't really play with the Dupont that much. Sometimes I'll blend them mm-hmm. uh, just in case I have any problems or it craps out for whatever reason. I know that that French strain is just going to yeah. keep blowing right through, but you still get a little bit of that Dupont flavor. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, this is. Uh, do you have? Uh, is there a is there a brewery or a specific brewer that uh, that you not not copy or anything, but but that you try to emulate, even if it's just in spirit? Like, do you have a brewing hero or a brewery hero? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that um, I have like a. And this is going to be kind of cliche because I think everyone in this industry looks up to him. But Sean Hill is, you know, an industry hero in a lot of ways. Um, but I have this very vivid, um, memory of, of going there for the first time. And, um, here's this guy where, you know, it's a Wednesday and it's like four o'clock in the afternoon. 
uh, Ryan and I, we just get off of our shift at Otter Creek. We drive two hours up there and I'm excited. He's excited. And we go in and, um, mind you, I mean, this is just like, it's not to go drink there. It's to fill your three, a lot of growlers and buy your a lot of amount of bottles. Mm -hmm. And there's, I don't know, it's probably a hundred people in line. Mm. Um, and it's in the middle of nowhere, but I mean, all that aside, what I remember standing in line and seeing him scrubbing the floors of, of his brew house and being like that, like respect, mm -hmm. I respect that. Yeah. He's doing um, it. He's doing it all. Yeah. And, and that for me, that was, uh, definitely a moment of, you know, I could do that. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I care that much. Like, mm -hmm. um, and if he, if, if this is like a starting point, you know, if that's the attention to detail that it takes to, to run a successful spot, I can do that. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole lot to learn in between, but you know. Right. But that initial inspiration. Uh, like, yeah. So, I mean, just the nitty gritty. Yeah. Seeing somebody that, that fucking talented cleaning up after himself yeah, being a brewer yeah. yeah yeah it was important <laughs> yeah yeah totally um so this is something that i that i like to ask and it doesn't even have to be beer related uh i ripped it off from a now defunct podcast called the dinner party download but uh tell us something that we don't know and it can be anything about you or just some piece of trivia or something completely random that you just i fucking love basketball Love basketball. Love basketball. Nice. Basketball's the greatest. <laughs> Are you more like pro, college? What, do you have a preference or do you just love it all? Oh, I mean, there's some... Probably pro. I, I It's just such a cool sport. It's such a... such a. I grew up playing baseball. It paid a little bit of my college, first few years of college. Um, and But then basketball has just been like that thing that has been so like not only are they like the most crazy talented athletes in the entire world sorry soccer fans <laughs> um but they are so in tune to like what is important in society i mean granted they're getting paid insane amounts of money take that aside but they seem to as a whole care about such important things and you know, in the whole sport sports world, a lot of people, you know, love or hate sports, but basketball seems to kind of understand like the big picture hmm. of like not just sports. So yeah. I, I'm pretty fascinated with nice tell, tell people. Oh, go ahead. You know, I was gonna say tell people what you what you said when I asked you to do a mic check. Dude, Kawhi Leonard. He's the fucking greatest. He's the man. He doesn't have an ego. He ah, oh, he's he's awesome. Nice. That's great. I will have to look him up. Pardon my ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> so, as a successful business owner, is there any advice that you can give to people who want to be where you are right now, but are maybe just starting out or just even just kind of thinking about it? Yeah. Keep keep the people who are close to you close to you good things will happen yeah yeah it's very simple well uh james thanks so much for taking the time out i know you're busy um and for doing this twice you're the, you're <laughs> the only person who's who sat through this twice uh hopefully it wasn't too painful Had fun both times. <laughs> good. is there anything that i didn't ask uh or that i missed that you'd like to add or no okay yeah i think uh, then we're done uh, cool <laughs> so maybe maybe pour another beer good guy good time thanks to james for taking the time to sit down with me and for being such an open book on how things go down at structures okay people here's the broken record part of me saying you can always reach out to me ask me anything brewing questions dating advice which hard seltzer should you try <laughs> reach me directly at dave at taptrail.com don't be shy 
If you enjoy Tapped In, please take a moment to rate us with all the stars on your podcast service of choice, and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next exciting episode. It really does make a big difference into how we get out there so that more people can hear it and enjoy it, hopefully. I'll talk to you next month. Until then, may you have all beer and no jeers. Cheers. Cheers.